welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons. Of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice, this is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, Biden made a speech last night to the joint session of Congress, which I like the way you put it, Binkley, a speech formerly known as the State of the Union address. And I still wonder if there's going to be another shoe to drop because it is constitutionally required that he give a State of the Union address. That's what I saw that I was telling you about before the show. There was something going around on Twitter. It was like one of the news stories saying that it is not constitutionally required. So you're I right. figured there was they were going to make some issue of it, even yeah. though it's ridiculous. And it, it is constitutionally required. He doesn't have to call it the State of the Union. He fulfilled the constitutional requirement, in my opinion. But they're trying to make a point of it. And maybe maybe they want to do away with it. Maybe there is more to it because it's kind of a weird little thing. Usually stuff like that doesn't have no purpose. Uh, but I thought even straight out of the gate when he set the tone by basically giving, I don't know if he gave this speech, this title. I'm, I don't know if he meant it to be a title, but out of the gate, he said uh, this this speech is about crisis and opportunity. And it's funny because one a, a book I really like or I liked when I read it. It's been a long time, but it's called Crisis and Leviathan. And it's by Bob Higgs, who's a great libertarian thinker and writer. And it's about how crisis allows government to grow and then it never goes back from that point. So it's always just going to get bigger. It's never going to get smaller. And his many things in the speech did highlight that. We were going to let's keep that in place. Now we know we can do it. Now we know we can. Some of them were over like Obamacare, lower premiums or something like that. Well, now we know we can do it. Let's not let those expire after the emergency. There's like some of that overt and like uh, implied. But that's where we're headed. So I I really probably overdid it on the damn speech. I have so much material and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'm not going to like belabor it. I'm going to try to hit it fast, but it's a lot. And I want Binkley to your reactions or let me just say, given that uh, only one of us really needed to watch the whole damn thing like twice, <laughs> I will tell you about it as if you are haven't heard it because I'm assuming that maybe not one person listening to us would watch that. It's possible because it was just tough to watch propaganda. Yeah, Yeah. it was pure propaganda. So I do it at half speed. It was mercifully only one hour. People, you you did it at half speed? Double speed. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, 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 sorry. It still took me an hour because I had to pause it, write stuff down. And uh, but I could see right away Pelosi had labored breathing by the end. Ted Cruz could not stay awake like they were joking because they were showing him sleeping. But I'm like, it's the masks like after an hour. It's not just lack of oxygen. It's that buildup of CO2 and they all had to wear them correctly. So and Joe Biden's Biden. really boring. He Yeah, but Trump used to be like that. Actually, to tell you the truth, Trump's were slower at double speed than Biden's. So when you watch Biden at double speed, he seems completely normal, like totally normal, cognitively normal. When you watch it at slow speed, he seems slow at regular speed. (laughs) But Trump, if you did it at double speed, it was still kind of slow. And that's I've never had that experience before. Only Trump could really. And but he was not boring. Trump was not boring. Biden was boring. But anyway, so. 
But every single thing he said, unfortunately, had implications. So I I have four pages of notes. I consolidated it down to like a half a page. I'm hoping not to overdo it. But let me just tell you, I'm I'm just going to try to tell you my insights, not just regurgitate what he said. But one thing he talked about is the uh, his American jobs plan. And he talks about infrastructure, water, power, lead pipe, stuff like that. But he goes over and over, this will create jobs and do things that only government can do. So as a libertarian, when I see that, I think, okay, all jobs emerge organically. People work. If it's, you can even like do what I do and take like rotten potatoes and jam them into the ground and you don't even have to own the ground just come back later and pull it up when you know what i mean i'm not telling people to trespass i'm just saying like you will find something to do you'll pick up coins on the street or you'll start a business or you know make cheeseburgers or something you'll do something when the government decides to create jobs and that the purpose is to create jobs it is perforce something that would not emerge organically because of the value that's given it like the the greatest conservator or and producer of surplus wealth is the pricing mechanism where people will pay for something according to what it's worth. And if you cannot sell it, you will stop making it. It's fantastic. It stops wasted resources. This is 100%. It's central planning. It's pushing jobs and choices onto people. It must be inefficient. And I would say it is harmful and depending on your value system, they intended to have these impacts, which I consider harmful. One is they are serving their agenda, which is the centralization, reshaping the economy, reshaping the physical world to accommodate this new vision they have and creating dependence so that jobs like this are jobs that get people to vote for bigger government for sure. He, one of the things he said was, I think climate change, I think jobs. And that's a real tell to me. Yeah, that climate. Remember when we saw that climate change was going to be the next thing that they're just going to jam through? Yeah. I mean, they obviously they were going to they were already on that path and COVID intervened and now they're back on the path. But infrastructure, COVID, climate, all of those things are are ways they are reshaping the economy. They're selling it to us as jobs, as a cure for this horrible thing that happened to us. But it is obviously all consistent with Great Reset. He might even have said build back better. I think the hidden friend texted me that he actually said it. This infrastructure plan is changing what infrastructure means to include a, a, a Everything, everything under the umbrella of infrastructure, healthcare, home healthcare. So it's not just highways and typical infrastructure that we think about. It's it's smart yes. infrastructure might be the way they, they phrase it. Yes, for sure. It completely goes with the virtue stuff. But one of the things that I think is relevant to that all conversation is he he may, you know, they make anecdotal things. He said a Texan, I guess, chick, woman, whatever, uh, wrote to him. She said she couldn't she couldn't work. That's all he said. She couldn't work. And couldn't put food on her table. So our relief was kept her from getting evicted and helped her feed her kids. And I, and I have seen pictures of people in nice cars waiting on long lines to have boxes of food put in their trunks. Now, anyone will do that for free food. That's what like Biden people, said? Yeah, that's what he said. So, and he, and he emphasized, and I've noticed this from the beginning, through no fault of their own. And that, in my opinion, is why the policies were a unevenly descended upon people, pushed down on people, uh, un 
disproportionately pushed onto small business owners absorbing everything they had because they wanted to drive home, drive home the point that Harry Brown, who said, uh, I believe in individual liberty and personal responsibility on all issues at all times. They're trying to tell you that a laissez-faire freedom, liberty is you can't have it because it's just random. Lightning could just strike you at any time and you need a safety net. It can wipe out all of your savings, your whole family savings. You that is what justifies this. That is almost identical to what these people were saying. And it was, I thought it was a Chatham house, but it was actually a world economic forum. It was a great reset video that came out a couple of weeks, not a couple weeks ago, last week. And the purpose of the conversation is about how this individual responsibility, the empowerment of you can do it yourself, that that is toxic and poisonous and people shouldn't be told that. Oh, wow. That is so spot on. That's exactly what that is all part. And if you can go back to 100 years ago or more where they started making historical societies and um, trying to talk economists, quote, into buying into big government, rewriting history, they wanted to rewrite history and they wanted to change our fundamental viewpoint from individual to collective. And this smacks of that, like a true transformation of our psychism and uh, and. This thing with the Texan who said she couldn't work. I mean, that's a big thing to say. Why couldn't she work? She couldn't work, not because of COVID, but because of COVID policy. And I've never seen a more blatant example of a government created problem that then government takes credit for solving. And that is what, you know, government, as Reagan said, government isn't the problem. Is it? The solution, it's the problem. And this is a guy who increased the national debt by more than all previous presidents combined, I think. So he said one thing, but did something completely different. But his rhetoric was quite appealing. Uh, Okay, so I have a few more things on this topic, which is he also said that uh, he cited this as an example of an investment only government can make, which is ridiculous. So all anything that is needed, the private sector will provide. And I mean that needed. So you want to eat, you want to sleep, you want to wear clothes and stuff. Those things aren't even scarce. Like the necessities cost almost nothing. And beyond that, you will, the stuff that people want above what they need, they, it will, those, those, there will be a trade-off between what you're willing to pay for that or contribute to that and what you're going to get. Now, government, there's nothing that we need that only government can provide. But he goes on to say that this is, that there are things like that and that uh, examples of things investment only government can make was landing on the moon and going to Mars, vaccines, and the internet. Are we and not, I would say, did we not talk the other day about two billionaires who are trying to go to the moon or go to Mars? Yeah, you could have private. And I would say both of them. One is the largest government contractor and the other's company yeah. wouldn't exist without government subsidies. <laughs> However, that's not what he's talking about. That's fascism, pure fascism. He wants both fascism and communism. So but my point is that I would say the world would be a much better place without all three of those things. Yeah. We, we do not need whatever this space travel story is. The Internet is destroying humanity and vaccines is also destroying humanity. Yeah. 
You're right. He wants fascism and communism. And that speaks to a broader point that fascism is communism. Communism is fascism. They're both vehicles for people to obtain power for themselves at the expense of the public. Through the use of government force. Yeah. The monopoly on violence. So the last thing I got out of his American jobs portion of the speech was that uh, they want to bring manufacturing home. They want to buy American. It's a federal law that the feds have to buy American if they can. He said uh, these, and this is funny because later he talks about education, like 12 years of free education isn't enough. You need at least 14 years. (laughs) And that's the only way to compete with China. But then he, but that was later in the speech. This was earlier in the speech. And he says, and I believe this is a quote, these jobs are a blue collar blueprint no education necessary uh, and infrastructure can't be outsourced i kind of pieced together these different phrases so the jobs are blue collar blueprint you do not have to have a college education and infrastructure can't be outsourced and when i hear that when i hear you wanting to bring manufacturing home and that you want to bring it to people who are uneducated that to me is a uh, is it's, I guess I'm going to call it deindustrialization, but it's like what they did to Cuba. They want to back you up. And he's like, there's no reason you can't make these chips in Pittsburgh instead of Beijing. And and my answer is the reason they went to Beijing is because Beijing had slave labor that was making rock bottom prices. And our because of our maturity and our history of education or technological advancement, we have a much more productive labor force. So to want to actually subsidize a return to lower productivity work is to me a subversion now i'm not 100 sure why he wants to do it but it happens to be the exact same message as trump and when trump was saying it i really wasn't crystal clear on on whether he was doing it to placate people or feel good or i didn't know what it was but now that biden is, has got the exact same agenda it is clearly on the agenda they are clearly doing it are they doing it for deindustrialization? it seems to go hand in hand with the fact that the real world is uh, getting parsed out like uh, they are they are in a in a weird way reinforcing borders for physical movement and globalizing virtually and part of that is to make us kind of live hand to mouth this way that's interesting focusing on, on the digital world there that makes me wonder all these jobs he talked about which he repeated jobs over and over again if some of these jobs are going to be coding like we've talked about and if that's yeah. going to be classified under infrastructure create coding yes. for the digital world well, it, it'll probably go in the education thing. And he did talk about, so I have a note here, like Allison McDowell. Uh, so the last thing, though, about his idea that infrastructure can't be outsourced, I remembered that the email from the guy who was managing one of Hunter Biden's Chinese ventures <laughs> in the email that he that it was called phase one project contact list or contact something like that and there wasn't much detail in it but all it was was a list that he was giving to this chinese venture about the contacts they had for phase one in uh, for investment phase one i assume he means phase one of the of the fund usually there's like you, you raise a bunch of money you spend it then you raise a second tranche and you spend that and then like you'll do a third one and and after the first one's ball busters, whatever, not, uh, <laughs> knocking the ball out of the park, then you can raise the money faster for the next. That's how it works. So I assume the mean phase one is like that first tranche of money they're raising and then what they're going to spend it on. So there were infrastructure plans and it was a list. I think I know I know I've mentioned this more than once, probably more than twice, like 15 contacts, including Kamala Harris and I think Andrew Cuomo of people, all of whom were in government who had uh 
some influence over how the purse strings are controlled for infrastructure spending tax dollars. And I mean, I think maybe even at one point it said how many billions of dollars like one person was responsible for, like four billion dollars and Andrew Cuomo, whatever. So Amy Klobuchar, I believe, was in that list. So I'm just saying, while he's telling us that we are lucky enough to get blue collar works work jobs that uneducated people can do and not and there's no chance that those jobs could ever be outsourced to China. However, it's almost like outsourcing slave labor to China where it's getting a little tight. It's not slave labor, but with unions and government, it's like it's definitely controlled labor. It's not free market labor, but they're taking all the profit, all the tax dollars and putting sending it to China. So it's like a reverse of where yeah. we were getting all the good stuff and China was providing the slave labor. They are literally it's it's like it's not the jobs that are outsourced, but it's the profits. It's yeah. the it, it's the one who benefits from it. it's the capitalist, you know, that they that they hate so much. Now, the Chinese are the capitalists. Yeah. Who are kind of colonizing our labor? I mean, I'm using Marxist terms just to make the point. I don't. It's you interesting, don't libertarian, but that, the, I'm just saying it's messed up. If you judge by the media, you would think that Biden took a hard stance on China. <laughs> well, they didn't talk about that. Yeah, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's still in play. All right, the last thing I'm going to say, I knew I wouldn't even get to half of it. I'm going to say one more thing. I'm going to pass it off to you, and then tomorrow we can do. Uh, Something very interesting. There was another parallel with Trump, and it had to do with uh, research as well. But it's kind of scary. We'll do that tomorrow. Okay. But the one thing he said on an unrelated note, he was talking about how we're approaching the te- the first anniversary of George Floyd's death, and that he spoke to his little girl who was so little that he had to get down on his knees to talk to her, or whatever. And what she said to him in her tiny little voice was. My daddy changed the world. Now, I I would take the active voice out of that myself and say, perhaps because of your dad, the world did change. Now, I personally think this stuff is set up in advance and they look for opportunities or create them to make these to put these things in. I'm not sure it actually happened exactly one year ago. And I also think it's highly uh, consistent with what you were saying about telling people to be empowered or that they, you know, him saying there's no through no fault of your own, that that this guy is, is a is a world changer. He's he it's a guy like this that can really change the world. But think about what he was doing at that moment. I mean, it, it like harkens back to Bill Cosby's pound cake speech, which even he rejects as being like misguided and offensive. But it it makes this guy's heroism totally tied, like through no fault of his own. What he was doing was not heroic. And ultimately, he was a victim. Victim is if, a hero. If you, if you believe the official narrative, right. So that his, the only heroic thing in his story really was that he was a victim. That is exactly what they say to do in what they call the victim narrative in this narrative warfare literature. Exactly that. You turn the victim into a hero simply because they're a victim. And first of all, the thing about his daughter saying that stuff she didn't say that stuff. <laughs> they told her that stuff of repeatedly course. and then she repeated it back to them. Maybe. 
Yeah, that, that's like that's I didn't a, even hear it, so I don't right. even know. He said he had to get real close to her. So why would he say that? Why would yeah, you he, say that you have one hour to make a speech? You could say a million billion things, and he points out that he had to get real close to her. Well, that's something he doesn't need to point out because America assumes anytime Joe Biden's talking to a little girl that he's way too close to her. <laughs> he doesn't need to tell us that. Maybe he was covering his tracks. Yeah. He the, started smelling her hair. I was like, no, no. I right, was just right. Her, her, ha- her, her hair smelled like uh, sympathy oh, like, or something. Yeah. <laughs> like strawberries. So the victimization thing, there's a quote from this book, Dangerous Narratives, and this is written for uh, intelligence community professionals. And the quote goes like this. It's about identity and it relates to victimization. Our identities as individuals and as members of groups are defined through the telling and remembering of stories real or imagined these stories shape our understanding of ourselves as heroes martyrs conquerors and humiliated victims the most dangerous identity is that of a victim once we see ourselves as victims we can clearly identify an enemy steeped in our own victimhood we no longer feel bound by moral considerations Start with the victim. Once we feel victimhood, what? Once we see ourselves as victims, we can clearly identify an enemy. Hmm. Steeped in our own victimhood, we no longer feel bound by moral considerations in becoming perpetrators. So, wow, yeah. that's how you become a terrorist. That's exactly how you become a terrorist. And that is what they're talking about. It's in the context of this it's is weaponizing like, narratives to turn I people could into cry terrorists. Because I see. Now I see why they're pushing that so hard. And yeah. even Ajit, Ajit Man said that one of our two, like whatever they were talking about, Steed, I'm talking right now of people, I'm talking about a, rock, a Rockfin video we did, but we've talked about it enough that you probably get the gist. But this Steed, one of the people talking about narrative warfare, he said there's like three stories. It's the American dream. It's the whatever narratives in America. Uh, There's a 1619 narrative that's emerging, whatever. But she said, Ajit Man, who's the real brains of the operation, I think, she said, I think she might have only identified two or even just one, that the American narrative is one of struggle. But she also said, like, the terrorist narrative is one of victim. And I feel like they are intentionally swapping those out because struggle... Struggle implies forward motion. Struggle implies trying to get out of it. Victim is a wallowing. It's a backwards thing. And they are create. They are making the victims the heroes here so that people feel like in order for them to have their own story, they need to be a victim. And that is making them terrorists. Terrorists. Yes. Yes. And that is what we're seeing from all these activist groups from Stacey Abrams across the board by being a victim you have an enemy that you must target and attack so therefore you're a hero that's how you radicalize people it's nuts so for our last big story of the free 30 we're going to talk about jimmy kimmel's favoritism among crackheads but before we do that i want to tell you a little bit about what we will be talking about in the patron 15 which is kim kardashian is dating who and why it matters politically and of course a big thank you to our sponsor of today's show 
We are excited to bring this extended shout out to you from Molly. She's a patron saint and a big fan of the show, and she has a very important message she'd like to get out there. Molly wants people to know that there's a toxic heavy metal called gadolinium in the contrast injection you get when you get an MRI. And some people have a devastating reaction to it. You can find out more about that by looking into the experience of Chuck Norris and his wife, Gina, who, like Molly, are trying to raise awareness of the serious issue. Gadolinium is a rare earth mineral that's not found isolated in nature. Yet because of MRIs, it's now in our environment and can accumulate in our bodies. The long-term effects of using this heavy metal in the millions of MRIs that are done every year are not yet known. Molly just wants people to know the risks involved in getting this injection and to learn more about the possible impact this practice may have on us all. Knowledge is power. So learn more about gadolinium in MRIs at Molly's website, www.mrs.com. MRIDI.com. That's www.mridye.com. I do thank Molly for that. It's a labor of love. And if you ever hear our sponsors, we cover our sponsors and you want to, you just can't remember what their websites are or whatever. If you go to thepropreport.com, thepropreport.com, there's a button in the upper right, or if you're on your phone, it's at the top pull down menu and it says shop like go shopping shop. If you hit that, there's a, uh, you can click on that page. Well, I link to all our sponsors. So it says our, you know, go to our sponsorship page here. And then you can see we are loved.store, libertygear.net. And you can also find mridie.com. Anything else you need. Awesome. Check that out. And also please visit the propreport.com and sign up for our low volume mailing list. So low volume, we have yet to mail one out, but I'm one working is coming. on it one is coming <laughs> this soon. weekend. It's it's going to be very rough around the edges, but I sent out emails to everyone yeah. saying, hey, I'm going to start sending you an email once a month. If you want to get off the list, unsubscribe and yeah. like almost no one unsubscribe, but I am going to do it. It's going to be a hack job. Total Frankenstein <laughs> first first time out of the box, but it'll have every all the content we've produced on our show and other people's shows this month and also next month. So go to the prop report dot com and, yes. and sign up. I saw your template and your template looks great. So it will be a work in progress, but I think you have a great start thus far. And we're doing that because we're collecting email addresses so that we can <laughs> stay in touch with everybody in case we get deplatformed again, which is which very is happening. possible. Yeah. <laughs> so our website also has a lot of other stuff there. It's, it, and it's especially helpful if you don't like Twitter or getting on social media, because if you go to the com and you click on the press pool tab, you can join in the conversation with fellow propaganda report community. And you don't have to rely on Twitter. You don't have to rely on social media. And there's a lot of engaging conversations there. People leave news stories they like. And uh, sometimes people joke around. A lot, a lot of good stuff that goes on in there. So go to the press pool. A lot of like-minded propaganda report listeners. So you can share your headlines, your commentary, whatever you want to do. Also, our latest feature on thepropreport.com is a place to plan meetups. So if you go to the meetup tab, which I know we had a meetup in uh, New York recently. New York, Atlanta. And I think I'm, I'm ready as soon as California opens up a bit to do Southern California, Northern California, and Vegas. Yeah. So and there was people at the meetup. There. Yeah. They were asking me about ways to uh, to plan meetups to get together and I was directing them to this tab so propreport.com the meetup tab that's where you can set something up and generate some interest and if we notice uh, the meetups planned on there we'll throw a shout out to it bring some attention to it and help move it along and you can also get 
our wonderful, created by Monica, Propaganda Report merchandise at thepropreport.com. If you click at the shop page at the top of the homepage, you can pick up a Prop Report t-shirt, a mug, a sticker. Stickers are awesome. Anything to show your support, Monica? So I was going to bring t-shirts to the meetup in Atlanta, but I just felt like it was... It was just supposed to be a cordial event, nothing commercial. But if you want to show your appreciation for those efforts, go ahead and buy a T-shirt. I would appreciate it. And if I sell these T-shirts, I the next round, I'll do like different colors. And I had to do a first round, but uh, I can't sell the, the new. I can't expand our offerings until I sell the old ones. They're fantastic shirts. They are fantastic. fantastic. I love them. Even my kids yeah. wear them and they don't they're not listeners, but they she just insisted like on quality and <laughs> quality is what we got. That's so why it's they great. cost so much. <laughs> and finally, go over to iTunes, leave us a five star review, leave us a comment, help us that helps us show up in the search engine rankings. It helps us helps us spread the word why we are still on these public forums. And it makes us feel good as well. So do that. We'd very greatly appreciate it. We appreciate your support. We appreciate everyone listening and now on to the final story of the free 30 so mike lindell my pillow guy and jimmy kimmel have had a little bit of a back and forth feud in the media if you will and kimmel joked about getting lindell on his show as long as lindell would get in a bed with him surrounded by pillows lindell saw <laughs> this and, and lindell's like i'll do it i'll do it of course and they set it up and this they didn't actually do the pillow thing. I was Aww. hoping they would. They copped yeah. out on that. But he did have Mike Lindell on his show. And it's interesting because <laughs> what you learn right off the bat is you learn that Mike Lindell is a crackhead and that's a terrible thing. Oh my gosh. But He's if you a crackhead? It, How does he, he used build to be a business. Right. Oh. He used to be he overcame it and oh, built a business. Wow. Great Meanwhile, for him. yeah, you don't get that story angle from Kim. <laughs> a couple weeks ago. We had Hunter Biden go on the show, also a crackhead, but his crackhead is a virtue and nobody cares about it. So I found it interesting to see how Jimmy Kimmel handled two different, quote, crackheads differently in his interview process. And you could see it right off the bat. And I'm actually during the Rockfin video we're going to be recording tonight. I'm going to play clips back to back of this entire thing and do an in-depth kind of propaganda <laughs> tactic because it really is very oh, structured yay. the way that yeah. Kimmel does this. That's he starts yeah, he starts off in his monologue by setting the frame of the interview guest. So with with Mike Lindell, it's crazy conspiracy theorist crackhead is coming on the show to lie to you about the election. With Hunter Biden, it's guy who's been victimized by right-wing Nazis who had a problem with addiction has overcome it is going to be coming here to tell us about his journey. And he likes him a little young. What are you going to do? Exactly. And <laughs> is that what Trump said about Epstein? Right, right. Yeah. Totally, uh, you know, yeah. that was bad, right? <laughs> yeah. And and uh, that, you know, guilt by association is what they love to do when it comes to that stuff. But with Lindell, he probed hard about when they actually did the interview. He probed hard about the election claims. Every time Lindell really? said something, he jumped in and said, no, well, well this, this, or how, how come a crackhead's allowed to say this and we should believe a crackhead? I mean, to his face calling him, a crackhead. Was he yeah. nice or mean? Was he trying to be funny? No, he was sarcastic dickhead. Right. So, excuse because my language. You're so right. They weren't allowed to talk about it at all for With a Hunter? No, no, about the election. Oh, the election thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think exactly. that's why Lou Dobbs got fired because oh, he yeah. refused. I, I'm guessing that he refused to take that. 
This is absolutely evidence to me that... Yeah, you're right. They are getting ready to try and discredit the findings of the Arizona and maybe also Georgia ballot inspections. This is coming up in the media now. Garland was on Lindell. I mean, I don't think Lindell released it yet, so I really don't know what's going on with that, but there's defo some weirdness there. Yeah. And in contrast to him probing hard with Ed Lindell, when Hunter Biden talked about the laptop and he said, it might be my laptop. I don't know. I was cracked out. How am I supposed to know? But it was probably the Russians that hacked it. No pushback. It was, oh yeah, you're right. Just the most non Regardless of who hacked it and whose laptop it was, is the picture of you with who was on that bed? How old was she? Crack that pipe never ra- came is that up. you? Yeah. Right. How did that happen? <laughs> so uh, overall, it was Mike Lindell is spreading, is a crackhead spreading disinformation that's harming the country. With Hunter Biden, it was you're someone who's overcome a problem and you've been the victim of disinformation instead of the one spreading it like Mike Lindell. I would like to see Hunter Biden actually do something successful, which to me would demonstrate that he is probably functional, if not totally clean, at least functional. Whereas Lindell has a success story right. rising up from the ashes. He's a struggle. And the other guy's a victim. Yeah. You know, right. or whatever. And the like, victim, victim is the addiction. hero. Yeah. The victim yeah. is the hero. And that is, that's how they handle this in the media. So it was really so. extraordinary to watch, especially when you watch them comparatively back to back. And, and I was going to tell you too, I don't know if we have a sec, but Stephen Colbert, I realized because I was watching a bunch of the vaccine segments he does, they do a different song almost every single time. And it's always a catchy song that you know that's parodied. So they just fill the words in. So you find yourself. Oh, really? So you find it sticking like in your Weird brain. Like Weird Al. Like I can't exactly sing Eat like It. Weird I can Al. only sing Eat It. Yeah. It's exactly like that. I'm going to show you a bunch of those songs during the thing we do tonight, too. So that reminds me, speaking of uh, Vax um, propaganda techniques, one of the things that and that obscure a little passage that he identified, he said there's the obsessional technique. And he said that in World War Two, I think it was the war wasn't at home. The war wasn't at home. So people weren't aware of war. They weren't aware they were in a war. So what they had to do was constantly everywhere on every billboard and every outlet, drill it into their heads about the fighting boys, about the the atrocities, about it was really about penetrating so, so much so that they weren't even aware of the propaganda. Like it was almost like, a fish in water, so much propaganda that you don't realize you're just breathing it. And I thought, wow, that is exactly what they've been doing during the COVID times. It's not real. Like, I I got it. So I know it's real-ish. But like, what they were saying was not true. It wasn't really breaking down the world. They had to break down the world. And and I think I might have heard that about World War II. Like, the reason they gave ration cards and everything wasn't necessarily because they were short on stuff. But they wanted people to feel... The pain of war. Yeah, that's it's very interesting. It's interesting. That is yeah. what they're doing right now. And it's they, so yeah, clear. It's cool. And that's what he's doing, like making the songs and everything in your own head is obsessional. Like you're obsessing it's about really it. Right? Obsessable. You don't mean and, and to, but no. Well, it's fascinating to me to look at it. It's it's very much you would think it's World War Two propaganda. It is crazy to look at. Yeah, I know stuff. that you had mentioned some that earlier. So I thought it was interesting that I kind of was coming to the. Yeah, that is place. very interesting. I have one quick shout out, but it's really just correcting the record. I think it's funny. So we had yesterday I talked about Ken, our friend Ken, who has this damned report 
And he also has a, a show that took a sabbatical, but it's coming back called Damned yeah. History. And movie. I realized that our original, our original, we have an, a, 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 another friend of the show, Ken, who's been with us since the beginning in Atlanta. And he's the original Ken. So I, I thought maybe to distinguish these guys, we should call them Damned Ken and OK. But then I thought <laughs> if I call original Ken OK, I think I'm labeling him a racist. Right. Yeah, that's the okay sign. Isn't you can't do that. Supremacist? Yeah, you can't do so, that. So, anyway. Joe Biden did say that's the biggest problem facing America. So yeah, this is a shout out to original Ken. What what can I call you? <laughs> I don't know. Let's see what you, let's see what he says. And uh, and with that, let's go to the patron fifteen. I'm dying to hear your little tidbits. Did you say? Did you say something about? A, a celebrity romance brewing with political implications. I did a little celebrity I'm gossip. About that. Yeah. Some All celebrities right. I know, which is unusual. Yeah. Well, you guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform, the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we've been telling you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report, become a patron, or go to rockfan.com slash propaganda report and join up there. We will talk to y'all tomorrow or in the patron 15. Have a fantastic rest of your day.